Welcome to GVN's Talking Comics interview. On today's show, we welcome psychologist and author Dr. Travis Langley. Dr. Langley is the author of the book, Batman and Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night. Coming on March 1st with its second edition. Now, here's your host, Martin Sexton. Welcome once again to another edition of GVN's Talking Comics Interview. I am your host, Martin, and today we are going to delve into the psychology of the Cape Crusader, the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight himself, Batman. And who better to do that than the man who wrote the book on what makes the Batman tick, Dr. Travis Langley. His book, Batman and Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night, has been entertaining and informing readers for over 10 years, and now is coming out on March 1st with the second edition. So let's welcome Dr. Travis Langley to GVN's Talking Comics interview. How are we doing today, uh, Travis? All right. Thank you for having me here. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. So let's start with a little bit of background. So, I mean, as a psychologist, what made you decide to delve into the enigma that is Batman? <laughs> well, if you're going to talk about the psychology of a superhero and his enemies, you start with Batman. Uh, yes, when I took an interest in Batman, I don't remember. Uh, my baby book genuinely shows on two different pages that it, Batman was one of my earliest words. So I've always loved Batman. And uh, when the idea came to me in 2007, it was because I had been teaching a psychology and literature course. The person who used to teach it had retired. So I had all the students analyze different characters in different ways. And to show them how to do the work, I did the assignments myself with Batman as the example. I didn't always show them what I was doing because it was more than I wanted them to inflict on me, more than I wanted them to do. <laughs> but I also went to the Comics Arts Conference, a scholarly conference within San Diego Comic-Con for the first time that year. And I thought, I want to be part of this. I need to take these things I've been doing and write an article about Batman. Within a year, I had so many ideas. I need to write a book about Batman. And it has remained popular for a decade. That's why we've got a second edition coming out. Right. And I, I mean, having read through it, I can see why. Because uh, he's a fascinating character anyway. Uh, and, of course, probably the one thing that makes him... I mean, especially for someone who's studying the psychology of him, as unlike us, who has a sort of a finite story, I mean, his story is continually going on. People are new creators are adding new things to him, uh, which actually is one of the, how did you decide how to kind of, you know, narrow it down? Because, I mean, you got over 80 years worth of stories to uh, delve through. Yeah, that was why chapter two is titled, Which Batman? Right. A lot of people ask that. Well, some of it you have to look at historical context. It reflects how things have changed over the years. And you look at them and you see what's common across them all. You know, he is someone who has decided that he can and should fight crime dressed like a bat. You know, he is a man who who saw his parents murder before his eyes. Even some more lighthearted versions, such as Batman the Brave and the Bold and the Adam West TV series, refer to that. In fact, it was the second line out of Adam's mouth in the first episode, and he mentioned it again later. Although he did it in their melodramatic way, each time he said, when dastardly criminals killed my parents. <laughs> uh, so we've got this character who works on so many different levels. Uh, Frank Miller... And Brian Bendis said he's the only character who can work at absolutely any level, from the silliest children's story to adventure to detective story to horror. Um, I would argue that the Joker also fits those criteria, but that's because of how he reflects and distorts Batman himself. 
And this is someone that he he flips the coin on Superman. You know, when you learn that no godlike person is going to fly out of the clouds to help you, and when you're in the darkest, you know, worst trouble, maybe one of the hoodlums in the environment will help you. Maybe somebody will step out of the dark. You know, if you're in a biker bar, if one of the bikers will tell the other guys, "I'll leave him alone. He's okay." And that's the kind of thing we know. Okay, this can happen. Somebody dark can stick up for other people. And that's, uh, of course, Batman's more attractive than uh, some of the examples I was just referring to there. But he, he, part of him is, he's the part of us that wants to frighten life's bullies away. He is also the part of us that wants somebody to step up for us. And the part that wants adventure and so many different things. So usually when talking, I'll try to talk about Batman as usually written. Sometimes for certain issues, I have to go through two specific versions, such as PTSD. Uh, the, the PTSD. In the trauma chapter, I go through symptoms of PTSD, and Batman definitely has certain symptoms of that. As usually written, he does not quite have enough symptoms to fully qualify for PTSD, but certain versions do, uh, and certain points in his story he does such as right after the second robin died he, he definitely was not functioning well by his own standards and he he did meet full criteria for ptsd okay and that's always the again something actually that uh neil adams said in uh one of the last comic cons i got to go to he says that uh, as writers with batman you can do pretty much anything you want to do with batman but you got to put him back the way you found him when you're done <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh and uh so you know you, you said that you you went to the comic cons did uh do you ever feel intimidated by talking to you know these people who have basically made their lives create working and creating on batman or did you ever feel like maybe they're intimidated by you because you know, i have a learned psychologist here and I'm, he might be psychoanalyzing me while we're talking about batman actually both happen not too much on the intimidation i'm not generally intimidated by people also um i met my biggest idols early on it's uh, in my my third San Diego Comic Con. I did a convention panel with Adam West, uh, Jerry Robinson, creator of the Joker, Michael Uslan, producer of the movies, and and they all. Adam did it mainly, I think, because he had never met Jerry or Michael before, and he wanted to. And, and Michael Michael Uslan, producer of the movies, who has become a, a, a good friend of mine uh, since then. You know, he said it had to happen, and so I had that early on. I had some conversations with stanley early on of course i was very self-conscious when speaking to stan <laughs> uh but then after that that that, that took us before that which admittedly not a long span you know people say who would you like to meet at these conventions well i would like to meet stanley and batman's creators and batman's creators are dead uh but meeting jerry robinson was close yeah. and um and, oh and i do sometimes mention adam west in the in those that'd be the three and I did that early on. Uh, Neil, it was a little while before I talked to Neil. I kept wanting to go up to Neil and tell him that his art inspired me to learn to read when I was in preschool because he made the stories look so much darker and more mysterious than the cartoon or the, the old cartoon or the Adam West TV show had led me to believe. When I finally said this to him, of course, Neil said, you know, a thousand people have told me that. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> now the other part the other part of what you asked about people intimidated by us yeah actually there are um there are people who are intimidated uh by the scholars uh 
uh, especially 10 years ago they were. I don't think that's as much an issue now because there's been so much more of it and so many more interactions. But yeah, there are writers and artists who are intimidated by the scholars. Uh, there's one very well-known person who I'm not going to name, but uh, there are people who've, who re repeatedly tried to arrange for the two of us uh, to do an event together. And 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 some of them said, yeah, he is definitely intimidated by psychologists. That's not most. I, I, I told Lynn Wien about that one time, and Lynn said, really? I'm not intimidated by anybody. I was like, well, that's part of what I like about you, Lynn. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, well, I was curious because because me, I'd probably fall in that category of saying, well, I'm afraid to say anything. Okay, so um, and of course, the one thing about Batman, of course, is that he has no powers. I mean, he's basically getting by on his training and his intellect. And I've always thought that was, you know, I admire the guys who go into crime fighting, basically just on courage, almost courage alone. Uh, but I always wonder, is there a point where courage intersects with foolish and huh. might be considered that uh, what are you crazy <laughs> it definitely can and batman knows there's something crazy about what he's doing uh that's part of what shows that well he's not psychotic because he knows he's doing a crazy seeming thing in order to shake up the system that he's dealing with you know there you go it's like who wears a mask well there are times in world history when people need to wear a mask uh, who you know takes the law into their own hands well if you're in some of the you know out of some countries say or times in history when all the authorities are corrupt what do you have to do and it can be a very difficult situation so it really depends on creating a climate in which it makes sense and back when the comics first started the police were not doing well against the gangsters of the time now, over the years, it got a bit sillier because it was a bit harder to explain, justify these people running, still running around in those costumes. But in the 80s, Frank Miller established that Gotham had the most corrupt police force in the world, or in the country anyway, and, and the most corruption at every level of authority. And in doing so, he created an environment in which Batman could make some sense. Another thing, uh, you know, you mentioned actually Gotham. Uh, Gotham, uh, does it play a part in bat and you know how Batman, as you said, because it has a reputation for uh, crime and even in Scott Snyder's acclaimed Court of Owls story, uh, Gotham played an important part in the narrative uh, where Batman found out that while he he thought he knew everything there was to know about Gotham, uh, he was eventually proven wrong that there was things going on that uh, uh, he wasn't aware of. Yeah, his relationship with Gotham is extremely important. Of course, in the comics right now, they're sending him out of Gotham for a while. And, and he can have adventures elsewhere. Usually when he's teamed up with other superheroes, he'll, he can go other places. But uh, until Denny O'Neill was writing in the 50s and 60s, Batman was more likely to go to another planet than to leave town unless he was with the Justice League. It, it is very much about this is a man who is trying to defend his city. And you could argue this is the city that killed his parents. This is the city that did such destruction, but it's also the city that his family has loved for many generations. It is the city that he feels very protective of. And, and that relationship is very important for making sense of how can a guy do this? So, I mean, you did a, a nice job of kind of covering a good 
part of uh, Batman's Rogue Gallery. Uh, and uh, if you had to put them in a category, do you think there's any certain uh, theme that is common amongst all of, or that you may be the ones you covered, of Batman's uh, Rogue's Gallery of, of villains? A theme? Halloween. <laughs> Halloween is a theme across his villains. Halloween with its, its scary figures, um, its costumes, its, its puzzles and mysteries. Uh, one way or another, across his enemies, they can fit these things. Uh, you, you might want to argue a couple. It's like, well, they still have costumes. Uh, Poison Ivy originally was, was not somebody with superpowers. She was somebody with her poison ivy costume who was an eco-terrorist and doing something different and, and Ray al ghul some sources will say raz al ghul uh <laughs> denny o'neill and batman the animated series say Ray al ghul so when in doubt go with batman the animated series uh but al ghul uh he's different with him essentially denny was introducing a bond villain into the batman stories so he's an unusual one in that regard. And it's amazing that he has held up, you know, as such an important part of Batman's Rogues Gallery over the years. But outside him, Halloween is the one thing you could look at for the theme across those who've really stood the test of time. Uh, and of course, my favorite has always been the Joker. Uh, and his relationship with Batman is, is all, you know, got all kinds of complicated. And I thought it was interesting as, as I was preparing to talk, said, I was looking back, said, you know, like in the Lego Batman, uh, Zach Galifianakis' version of Joker basically was upset because Batman didn't consider him his number one villain. Uh, and it basically kind of hurt his feelings. And in uh, The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, you know, Batman's wanting to know why he didn't, why he was wanting to kill him. So I don't want to kill you. So I, I, I need you. You complete me. Uh, and of course, even Mark Hamill's Joker in the animated series was uh, upset when uh, appeared like a Joe Schmo had killed Batman. Said that's that, that's not what's supposed to happen. I don't even think he really wanted to kill him. But if, if somebody was going to kill him, he wanted to do it, and he didn't want to some guy off the street doing it. Uh, so they had a a really, you know weird uh, connection and i'm surprised you, you could write probably a whole book just on joker <laughs> the joker psychology evil clowns and the women who love them <laughs> well you know had a... <laughs> okay so you did write it away so well <laughs> we are for all you audio files out there uh my man travis just brought out his book on the joker so uh it's a good lesson for me that next time i'm talking to an author and we're talking about a specific book he wrote that it doesn't hurt to go ahead and check back what he had written previously <laughs> it's gonna look like that was a setup but i guarantee y'all out there it was not okay now so that is the one that people had asked me more over the years than anything else i mean i've had a dozen books since batman and people would ask are you gonna do one supernatural are you gonna cover game of thrones and, and we've done those but the one people that asked me about more than anything else was if i was going to do a book on the joker and for a while part of my thought on that was well obviously we can easily fill a book easily but i felt like something was missing because you don't know for sure what's going on inside the joker's head and finally when uh, the publicist from the publisher said why don't you make it about the joker and harley it's like well yeah even if it's mostly about the joker if we give harley some substantial attention in there somewhere that does give us something that's more grounded that does give us we do know more about what goes on with harley and her 
her motivations and wishes and desires. And we can even end the book with something a little more upbeat is the last chapter is about therapy, different types of therapy. And I've got 10 different therapists weighing in on, it's like with this type of therapy, help the Joker. No, with that one, no, with that one, that one would make him worse. Uh, but if Harley's ready to progress and want somebody to talk to and maybe getting social support from the most meaningful people in her life, there are some that could help her. I'm not really surprised that you did tackle a little bit about the what does Batman kill people. Uh, and uh, uh, actually, I have to in the second edition. Uh, in, in the second edition, which comes out uh, in March, I've got a whole chapter on that. Okay, so, okay, so you didn't cover that in the first edition then? No, but in the past decade, mainly because of the Affleck version, people have really gotten to discussing that. So in the, in the second edition, there are... I mean, there are, in the Witch Batman chapter, I get into some of the newer versions. Like I'll talk about the Affleck version. Uh, I'll, I'll refer to the Kevin Conroy live-action version from Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW. Uh, the Lego Batman, which is an out... Lego Batman movie is one of the best character studies ever of this character, uh, surprisingly. So, but... Um, and I had to, I, to make room, I took out the humor chapter, but I'd covered enough of that material in the Joker book. It's more like it moved from one book to another. So two new chapters. One is about Batman's views on killing and guns. And the other one is about Batman's power to inspire people. Uh, first, pe characters within his own world and people within our world. How people may find this character something that helps them find motivation to get through challenges. Uh, Paul Dini, a writer from Batman the Animated Series and comics, you know, he, he was mugged once upon a time and brutally injured. And it was years of recovery. And it was very hard. And he was having trouble. He was thinking, how can I write about this character who saves people when nobody stepped up to save me? But he got to having mental conversations with superheroes. And one that really stood out was Batman became his mental drill sergeant to tell him to get up and, and, and find strength and keep going. That's pretty much what I got. But uh, before I uh, let, you, let you go, okay, now, like I said, apparently you've written about the Joker, you've written about Batman. Have you considered, I mean, and apparently people are asking. Yes, about, about whatever this. it is. Yes. But if, okay, so uh, as far as, you know, like I said, I always found Ben Grimm from uh, the Fantastic Four to be an interesting ah. character. Uh, uh, is there a character that you haven't done that you would consider uh, delving into? I've got a list and I've got a priority list. In fact, I was talking with the acquisition editor at my publisher yesterday because uh, while we weren't putting new books out during lockdown, so we haven't had new ones since the Joker book. And uh, now we're talking, we're working on one right now uh, for a, a, a stranger Netflix series. Um, some people figure that one out easily. <laughs> Um, and then he was asking, what are we? So I was saying, here are the ones that uh, the, the people who contribute to the anthologies really want to write about. Here's one I really want to write about. And we had specific things that are coming up in the next two years in terms of media and why those would be good ones. And then there are ones that I want to get to sometime. It's a matter of uh, working together with a publisher to decide when is the right time to talk about, to do a book on Superman? When is the right time to do a book on Spider-Man? The right time to do a book on Spider-Man would have been a couple months ago. Uh, but that was the work would have been during that period when we weren't working on them. Uh, so yeah, I would love to have had my Spider-Man book right, outright before No Way Home. That would have been 
So, of course, uh, again, said that, so can we, are we going to see one? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, one, one thing I do is uh, until the publisher announces them, I don't say for sure what I'm working on. Because uh, one is simply that, you know, what if you, there, there were a couple of times that we were planning certain books that we wound up not being able to do uh, for different reasons. Uh, and, um, you know, you know, what if you told somebody you're going to, we were working on these and you find, oh, we can't do this. It's, uh, I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, we were going to do a book on Harry Potter. And as I see, now there had been, somebody else did a book on, on the psychology of Harry Potter back in 2006, 2007. Um, you know, the psychology of Harry Potter, an unauthorized examination of the boy who lived. But it didn't cover it all. It, it came out before it all ended. So before the last book and before uh, additional, before many of the movies. And of course, then we've got sequels and so forth. So there's plenty to talk about. And we've got a whole lot of controversy uh, to, that we can fit in there now. So we have things we could talk about that weren't there. And uh, we'd agreed to do it. Uh, we, we were drafting papers and um, there was a reason we couldn't do it for completely unrelated to us it, it had how far do i go with this oh whatever uh it's uh um the publisher well actually you don't know which publisher i'm talking about so no, I didn't. Um, good <laughs> that publisher and rolling's publisher had been threatening to sue each other over something else entirely something that had nothing to do with that that had nothing to do with us uh, and from what i understand jk rolling likes it when people put out books analyzing her material uh, but because of that issue between the two publishers, that publishers, that contract, um, we could never do the Harry Potter book. I think that makes sense. Uh, and, At least uh, not with them. Right. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So like you said, the second edition of your book is coming out and that is coming out, I believe, March 1st. March 1st. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, where can our, our followers go to pick up that copy? Amazon. It'll, it'll be on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all over the place. Um, you can get through the uh, Turner Publishing website. Uh, it's wherever fine books are sold. That's my line. That's why I said, go find it wherever fine books are sold. Okay, so, of course, the Batman comes out March 4th. Well, no Yes, and that is there not are, a coincidence. Right? I think not. Okay, so uh, do you have any, uh, do, I mean, uh, do you have any idea of what you kind of would hope to see in the new Batman? I want to see a smarter Batman. The movies have not generally made him as smart as he is in the comics uh, and i even know um my friend michael Houston, uh producer of the movies um he has said publicly numerous times that he wants to see a film version in which the director and script writers make batman smarter and from what i gather i i think we are going to see a smarter batman this time but that, that was always the actually the idea that i got you know they were go going to you know emphasize you know the uh, world's greatest detective part mm -hmm. so uh, so, you know, so yeah so i would hope that uh it would kind of emphasize uh his uh intellect in this particular movie uh even though it's uh although know, of course be plenty and i've seen some of the uh trailers where he beats the crap out of people so there'll be plenty of that uh yeah, yeah they also they're they're he's struggling with his own anger and, and it is in there that he is trying to figure out how to contain himself and how to make sure he does not go over the edge. 
Thanks, thank you. I've been looking forward to it, so we don't have that much further to wait. Well, see, well I appreciate it, uh, Travis, and uh, we will, sure. of course, be following the book quite closely, and uh, any other books that come out. I'm going to go pick up the Joker book, because I didn't realize that was even a thing, so that, uh, that should be fascinating, and uh, I appreciate your time. Sure, thanks. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to GVN's Talking Comics. Please come back again. Talking Comics is a production of Geek Vibes Nation.